0: the podcast we're featuring Sam Cutler, CEO and founder of Petite and Pretty. Sam, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today.
1: Thanks for having me, Anne. I'm so happy to be here. We're happy to have you.
0: So Sam, (laughs) on this podcast we love to talk about the beauty industry going beyond what comes to the eye when we think of quote beauty products, makeup, skincare, and more. And we love hearing founder stories of how you got started in the industry but also how you expanded into launching your own business. So first, can you give an overview of yourself, what Petite and Pretty is? And then from there, we can go back to how you got started in the industry
1: and how you launched a brand. Absolutely. Sure. So I have always loved makeup my whole life. Like I, There's pictures of me when I'm like seven years old with like full glam. And so I always knew I wanted to work in beauty. So when I graduated high school, I went to school for business, but I actually worked at Mac, I did an internship there. And then I also worked at Nordstrom, like at the makeup counter, which was a great way for me just to understand like how customers learn about products and understand makeup. And then when I graduated um, college, I actually worked in product development at Mac in New York. And then I was there for almost five years. And then I worked at Stila Cosmetics in Los Angeles. And then I worked at Smashbox and then I went back to Stila. So, I have a long 20 year history in product development. And then moms being like that mom that works in makeup, moms would always ask me like, what's a good brand for my daughter? She's getting into makeup. And I never really had an answer because either the products were not age appropriate or they weren't safe for like younger kids. Like they were skewed younger, but they'd have like anti-aging raw materials in them or something it just wasn't appropriate for their young skin. And so I felt like there was a white space for this younger consumer to have their best first experience in beauty and to have products that are made just for them. So I left Stila in 2017 and then I started on working on Petite and Pretty and the concept and the products and the story and everything, so... So how
0: long did you, was it from the day that you created this concept or said, I'm going to start my own beauty brand to the day that you launched it? And how did you launch it? Was it in store? Was it online? Was it through social?
1: Yeah. So we started, um, so I left Stila in like spring of 2017. And then I started Pretty, and Pretty in like July of 2017. And then we actually formally launched in July of 2018. So it took about a year. Um, for me to really perfect the products, the formulas, the packaging, the story. And we started D2C. And the reason we started D2C, because I really felt like since it was a new white space, we really wanted to test the messaging and just do digital and just see like, what are moms clicking on? What are grandmas clicking on? What are, what's our tween teen consumer interested in? And how do we like navigate this digital? landscape really and really talk about our products to two different consumers right you have we have like our tween team consumer and then we have moms guardians grandmothers mm-hmm. fathers so it's really two different messaging but it was a great way for us to really test and see what is working where
0: so how do you split the messaging? I mean, especially in 2017 going to 2018, you're almost at that height of social media or like the yeah. peak because it's still continuing to evolve. Mm-hmm. You are there. And how are you connecting with these two different target markets equally? Yeah, in so in our ways.
1: Yeah. So in our digital ads, we definitely talk about the safety of our products. So all of our products are pediatrician approved, dermatologist, ophthalmologist, tested. Our products are nut free, cruelty free. Obviously, we primarily source our products in the USA. We also work with like Canada, Japan, Italy, Um, but we work with like the best suppliers. All of our packaging is made for petite size features. So it's really about giving that like best first experience where products are made just for our customer. So we really talk about that messaging and really about having fun and being creative and there are no mistakes in makeup and about teaching your daughter or son, like, healthy beauty habits at a young age. So that's really our messaging in our, like, to the mom or the guardian. And then to the kids, we work with, like, older teen influencers. So I'd say, like, 15, 16 years old, just so the brand feels aspirational. And we do more fun content. So we'll talk, like, what's your favorite Starbucks drink? What back to school stuff or just stuff that's relevant in their life. Like get ready with me videos are obviously trending right now. And like these like aesthetic, like room makeovers, like we, we work with someone. She just did like a Halloween room makeover. And then obviously like our products were integrated into her video, but it's really about just resonating and connecting with our customer. So we do that on TikTok. Instagram is sort of a mix so we have like obviously we have like the tween teen follower and then we also have parents that are following us so we kind of mix our messaging up on Instagram but Facebook really is geared towards like mom so in yeah. terms
0: of trends when i open TikTok 1 minute a certain get ready with me is trending maybe it's like how to get ready in three seconds when you're off to your family barbecue and then the Um, next week it's all about how you can contour and get into the level of details of a makeup artist and i'm thinking this is one week difference and we're looking at two completely different ways of getting ready yeah especially within the tween space it's such a fast-moving industry on top of the dynamic side of the beauty industry how Mm -hmm. do you Keep petite and pretty focused on an end goal without getting distracted by the trends while also leveraging the trends because they're such a vital part of marketing, let alone beauty marketing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, we have like a group of content creators we work with on a consistent basis. So, what we do is we really follow the trends. So, like when Pretty Little Thing, or I think that's what the show is called, I can't remember. Anyway, there's that show that all the tween and teens like we had our content creator do like a get ready with me that looked like inspired by like that show so she did it like that weekend and it got like i think like 70k views which on tiktok did really well so we're able to react in real time like like taylor swift right is she's like all the memes right now this week because of like her football boyfriend and all that so we're able to quickly react to those trending, that trending content really easily But I'd say for our ads, that's definitely more pre-planned and um, thought out. And I'd say like more polished where our content that's like, like you're saying, like, how do we react to the trends like that? We can literally like bust out in a day. Like if there's a trend, like we'll literally like jump on it, like, Within twelve
0: hours. That's amazing. Um,
1: Because we do have like content creators that are like on standby, basically. Mm -hmm.
0: So take us back to the beginning. You're exiting more of a corporate beauty space. You have this Mm -hmm. idea. You're seeing that there's there's white space in the industry. Working with Mm -hmm. teens and tweens, developing beauty products for them. What what were the first products that you launched? What were the ups and downs of starting this business? What was something that you felt you had a leg up, which I'm sure is the obvious might be product mm-hmm. development. You really understand that so yeah. suppliers and the processes and formulas to components, margins, but what were things that were curveballs and took you by surprise? Yeah. And how did this whole, yeah absolutely. over time?
1: Yeah. I mean, it definitely is not easy starting a brand. There's obviously there's things that arise that you don't expect. Yes, the product development piece was the, the, obviously like the part that I gravitated to and was the easiest for me. And I mean, obviously like we thought about like, what is, what is like that, those first beauty products that a tweener team is wanting to use. So we have an eyeshadow palette with a brush that was part of our first launch. Obviously lip gloss is like, right. Like that's like everyone's first makeup product. And then we also launched a really beautiful like hair and body glitter. Which was really fun and has done really well for us. And then as we built our pipeline, it was great because we got a lot of consumer insight where our actual users were asking us, like, we'd love to see like a brow gel or a mascara or makeup wipes or blotting sheets, all these things like we were hearing in real time, like, what does our consumer actually want from us? So we launched with the first three products and then we slowly rolled out additional products. I mean, obviously there were challenges in the beginning. We, for the hair and body litter, for instance, like the wiper, which is like the the thing that when you pull the wand out, pulls the excess product, wasn't wiping our product, our, our wand properly. And it was causing the brush to snap off. So we had to like literally sit on the floor in our office and change out thousands of wipers so that they would properly wipe. And I mean... I'm scarred from that. I'm sure. But you kind of just have to get through it. And I feel like it's having my own brand and especially get through COVID, right? You kind of just need to react and just do it. And I mean, it is what it is, right? And it's like, how do we just solve the issue versus blaming someone or whatever, right? Like, it's like, it doesn't, there's no point, right? It's like, let's just like, fix it move forward and just like power through this and it was kind of like an all hands on deck situation so everyone was helping and we were able to do it but that was like a challenge in the beginning for sure it was like stop, hiccups like that that come that arise yeah
0: components to formulas to shipping times then yeah comes in and that throws a whole other
1: curve yeah out. Totally.
0: We talk a lot about, too, about starting a business is very different than scaling a business. So many times people, mm-hmm. they they come to us and they say, we either, we can never think of an idea that we, we knew, we had all the business acumen. We went Maybe they went to MBA school, maybe they're just a business guru. they worked in operations, but they don't have the idea. And then there's other people that have this mm-hmm. idea and they get it off the ground and it's amazing. And then they struggle with the scaling part. And so in my opinion, an amazing entrepreneur, someone who has that idea who can launch a brand and also scale it, which is so much easier mm-hmm. said than done. So I'd love to learn mm-hmm. from you of how did you transition from this idea, this concept and creating it to then scaling it and growing it and, and watching it
1: mm-hmm. literally
0: turn from a baby into a teen to an adult and what yeah. can you give to another entrepreneur based yeah, on that?
1: Yeah. I think that like, it's kind of like reacting in real time. And I think today in today's day and age, you, you can't, you can't have your plan. It was like, okay, this is going to be our plan. We're going to launch on D to C we're going to price our products so we can go into retail. Then we're going to go into these, this distribution and then we're going to, you know, go into this many doors and we're going to do this. this. I think if you have this pre-planned sort of concept out? I mean, it's a nice guideline, but is it actually really going to come into fruition? And I think that's something that I think is, it's like a great plan, but is it actually like feasible? And it also is very expensive. And I think that the larger retailers, right? Like their terms are usually like net 90. So like you'll ship your product, you're paying like a year and a half ahead for products that aren't going in the store until a year later or whatever. So I think that when you are starting a brand, you have to think about, okay, like, do I have enough inventory and funds to fund this up front? And I'm not going to see the benefit of this till a year later. So those are things that like, I didn't even think about or realize. And then just being more like aware of those struggles, I guess. And then also going into retail like they expect a lot of sampling and support from the brand side which is great but it's also hard because when you're dealing with larger retailers like they have such a larger reach than the brand a new brand so it's like re- working with the retailer on how to really build the brand i think is really critical and important in spreading brand awareness. And how do you really build that brand awareness amongst like your own D2C, your own social and working with your retail partners? Yeah, so I mean, we we had like a growth plan. I really didn't wanna go on Amazon. I was like anti-Amazon and then being a mom, it, I was like, every mom is on Amazon. Like every human is on Amazon. Why were you like,
0: anti-Amazon just... at first?
1: Cause we were, we positioned ourselves as Prestige. Okay. We are Prestige. So I just felt like, I didn't know if it like cheapened the brand. I just was like really apprehensive about it and not this sure for retail
0: partners. A bunch because I remember back in the day I was working at LVMH and I believe there was an old rule that stemmed out of the UK that LVMH mm-hmm. would never sell on Amazon. I'm not a lawyer. I should preface this. Yeah. It was a huge component of the Prestige and luxury industry from not only fashion, but to beauty and everything in between. I think even technology might've been affected by this law. And I was just talking to someone recently and they were saying that their full job was to get any luxury, let alone an LVMH brand onto Amazon. And this is kind of the circa of 2017, 2016, and now progressing six, seven years later, we are seeing really elevated brands. On Amazon, yeah. and then Amazon also owns ShopUp, I believe, and there's high-end denim footwear mm-hmm. and these top makeup brands as well. So I see that yeah. side too. Of will this deplete my brand image and pull me further from prestige? Yet mm-hmm. our client is on Amazon, and it's the operation side, the awareness, and putting it in their face has such a momentum to it. So how do you balance keeping a brand while also leveraging Amazon to get in front of those clients that the ads might not be reaching?
1: Right. Yeah. So we, I mean, so that was like, again, that was like a big internal struggle of mine. And then I was like, what? Like, it's such like for being a mom, it's like a no brainer, right? Like it's like Thursday and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need a birthday gift for Saturday. Like, and our brand is so giftable that it just really ultimately made sense for us. And Amazon has actually become one of our largest retailers over the last year. And we've seen like 60% growth just this year on Amazon over last year. So it's definitely like growing. And we've also gotten... we What we did was we... They're not all of our SKUs are on Amazon. We've gotten more, I guess, smart and selective of like, okay, we're going to only offer these SKUs on Amazon and then these SKUs are offered on Ulta and really making it so it's a little feels um, like Ulta has like some unique SKUs that Amazon doesn't have or our website has like some merch items that you can't get anywhere else. And how do we really differentiate our channels? So each one has a unique, I guess, point of difference that also makes sense for that consumer as well. So, and also like our margins are different everywhere. So selling one lip balm on Amazon, we don't make as much money as if we were to sell like a pallet or like a bundle of something. So we've gotten smarter too, in terms of like our assortment and how to maximize what we're selling there. So, so
0: as you're expanding your business and now you're going, you're beyond direct to consumer, you're working with retailers, partnerships, you have content creation, you have advertising and media buying. Mm-hmm. On top of product development and looking at components and trend forecasting. We're not even talking about cash flow. That's a whole other world. How are you mm-hmm. delegating all of this work and to stay as the vision leader, the founder, and the CEO? And how are you delegating and hiring the right talent and yeah. getting everyone line? That seems really a challenging role or challenging.
1: Talent. Yeah. So we have this small and mighty team, there's five of us. And I'd say everyone wears many hats. So we have a brand uh, manager who oversees like all high level, like our D2C, our brand partnerships. She also works with like our web, web team designers with, if we do sweepstakes, she oversees social. She oversees like everything from a high level. And then we also have a graphic designer who's in-house, who's incredible. And she wears many hats as well. I mean, she can do video editing. She does all of our ads. She does our web design. She can do renderings for product. Like she is like a magical unicorn that can do a lot. And she also, like I was saying that we can react to trends very quickly because she can literally like turn out like edited ad or an edited TikTok in like an hour. Like, so having her here full-time is amazing so we're able to really react and for retailers like I need this I'm like okay we can get it to you by like two hours or whatever so it's nice to have that on hand and then we also have obviously a full-time operations person so she also wears many hats she helps with like forecasting she helps with inventory planning she helps with the warehouse management she helps with new launch management so making sure that like Components are getting to our warehouse and that's booking in on time, and is it getting to Ulta on time? And she helps with all of that. And then we also have a head of sales who obviously oversees all of our not our D2C, but everything else she really helps with. And then we have a full time media purchasing a digital like advertising person in house. And the reason we brought someone in house was because it's so expensive to work with agencies. Mm-hmm. And I felt like since we're not a huge account, we're not like LVMH or like Lauder, right? We're not, we weren't getting senior people on our account. We were getting very junior people and they were constantly changing. And we were like, for the amount we're paying a digital agency, like we might as well just bring in someone full time that can really focus and works on the brand day in and day out. And we've seen like since she started probably like a 50 to 60% increase on our website. So it's been really obviously like helpful for us. And then obviously going into Q4, which is like our time to shine. She's like working like, like literally like within the moment, like turning ads on, off, adding more spend, like all that, and just really perfecting it where if we were to stay with an agency, I don't think we would have that amount of like attention given to us as a brand so yeah and then we also have a full-time product developer who's amazing she but she also wears a lot of hats she helps with like package sourcing product development she helps with merchandising so like a lot of our stores will have like merchandising units that she helps source those and make sure that they're sized correctly she helps source like merch and i mean shipper boxes like just everything. And so we have like a great team, um, but everyone wears a lot of hats for sure.
0: I love that. That's great to hear. Great mm-hmm. teams
1: make all the different. Yeah. And I'm involved in like every piece of it, but from a high level, I try not to micromanage, but sometimes I'll be like, we like all notice something like on our website, or like, I'm like, oh, we need to fix this. So, high level, I really it's hard, am probably not trying to be
0: involved to... in all of the details. And you want to, yeah, delegate. delegate it, I don't
1: do want to be involved it. in all the details, right? But, yeah, I like, like
0: again, that's good. It's like yeah, a support I, I, but I, also your project, your brand, your, your yeah,
1: story. I, I really trust my team. I mean, we have an incredible team incredible team and they've been with the brand for a while so they know like the aesthetic they know the vibe they know what works what doesn't and they're really experts in their area so I I mean I'm not going to tell like our digital advertising person like how well, I, I mean I'm like you're the expert like you tell me I don't know so I've definitely learned a lot though like I've definitely gotten more versatile I'd say in like mm-hmm. my world of understanding like a beauty company where when I was at Lauder, so I really was more segmented in my product development world but yeah so I really empower the team to kind of do their thing and then I'm here for them
0: it's a great way that you had such a niche within product development so you can really understand the core of of your business and your brand and then knowing once you launched your own business that you can't do it all no one is a master of every single mm-hmm. skill out there it is totally. rather it's finding the right talent, bringing them in, rewarding them and letting people shine in their expertise. So it sounds like you're Yeah. selling at that. Yeah. When you were growing up, did you ever think that you would launch your own business? I know you said that at 7 you could be found in a, a full face of glam and you loved makeup yeah. and the beauty products. Did you ever see Oh, I always
1: loved this for It was always a dream of mine. That's actually why I went into product development originally, because I always knew that product is so important to any business, consumer business. And if you don't have good product, you don't have a a business at the end of the day. So it was something I always wanted to do, but I think it's so saturated right now. And it's like, there's just so many brands and it really, for me, needed to feel like my brand needed to live in this beauty landscape. and it was, I felt passionate about it. And so that's why like, I felt like this was a, a really great concept that needed to live amongst all these other brands. So.
0: so as we wind down on the podcast, has there been a person or a thought or a piece of advice that has helped you get to the point of where you are today? And then what advice would you want to share with everyone of how to succeed as an entrepreneur, how to launch that business, how to keep growing and to embrace the world of working for yourself and and building something.
1: Yeah. I would say honestly like like I was saying, like don't plan too far ahead because you never know what's going to come at you and I'd say like my favorite word to live by is it is what it is because it truly is what it is, right? Like sometimes there's nothing you can do, but figure it out and react and make it work. And you can't go back in time. So, how do you look forward? And I think through COVID, I mean, we were only a year old and COVID happened. And it was definitely like, how do we quickly. Um, adjust and react and change who we are and as a brand. And it really was something we had to do overnight. Right. And so I think that would be my word of advice is like not to, to be nimble. Right. And to be able to adapt and quickly change as needed with whatever comes at you because you really don't know. Right. Like life has things that happen that you don't plan for. And it's really just being able to not be stuck in your ways and so
0: that level of yeah. curiosity yeah. and how you react not what happens but how you react and move on and and make it into a better situation it's really what
1: gets yeah the day. totally definitely amazing so
0: well thank you yeah. sam thank you for sharing your story yeah. and your advice and how you got started and everything about petite and pretty so where can yeah everyone find petite and pretty where people shop where can they find you yeah. where they can get in touch
1: and learn more yeah Sure. So you can go to our website, www.patinepretty.com, or you can check us out on Instagram, Beteen Pretty, or TikTok. Pretty. That's another thing. If you are starting a business, you want to make sure you can get the handles, the website, the trademark. Like that is, oh, that's a whole other situation, but that's so critical. Yes, yeah, so you can find us on all those handles. And then you can find me at com. So you want to reach out feel free I'm happy to help give advice I'm here for whoever so amazing well thank you Sam thanks yeah. for
0: sharing your story you. and sharing thank more you. about thanks. Bertie we'll definitely follow along and thank congrats you. on the success in launching a really cool and amazing brand thanks so
1: much I appreciate it all right have a good rest of your day bye, thank you. bye.